And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones and Tim Moore, and we are with Lamb and Lion Ministry. We ask that you stay tuned to today's program as we have a great program prepared to you today that we title The Sifting Prophetic Process. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Tim Moore if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Sure will. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus grateful for the opportunity to share your prophetic word. We know that all word is inspired by the Holy Spirit and we're not returned void. So we pray that as we open the scriptures to reveal things that you have revealed to your prophets and therefore to us, that you will be glorified, lives will be changed, hearts will be drawn to our soon returning King and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Tim. Again, you're tuning into a Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. I guess we're talking about the sifting prophetic process. So for those of you that are following us live on social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along with us as well. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my special guests, Tim Moore and Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to have you guys on. Always great to be on, brother. Tim, always a pleasure to have you on. It's always nice when you're able to drop in. I know you have a busy schedule. Well, I'm glad to be here today, at least for a portion of this uh, podcast. I have to run in a few moments, but it's a delight for me and a, a real privilege. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. And for those of you that maybe are new to the program, we'd like to share some information with you so you can continue to be part of the program and take advantage of the resources. Nate, will you be able to share with our audience basically what we do and how they can get a hold of our resources? Oh, absolutely. Well, we're all evangelists here with Lamb and Lion Ministries. It's a Bible prophecy teaching ministry and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And we do that in a number of different ways, primarily through our television program, Christ in Prophecy. If you follow that, we're now in our 20th season. Uh, we have a website, christinprophecy.org, and there you'll find a wealth of videos, articles, a magazine you can sub subscribe to, any newsletter, social media. Uh, we just got so much information. We want to share our excitement about Jesus' soon return. So check us out, christinprophecy.org. Oh, thank you so much, Nathan. And Tim, we have a wonderful conference coming up, right? We do on July 22nd and 23rd here in the Dallas, Texas area. We're having a conference on Friday evening. We'll have a special uh, time of fellowship and uh, a surprise. We're going to do a taping of our Christ in Prophecy television program right there before a live audience, uh, show people how that takes place. And then all day Saturday, a host of presentations with the three of us and several others, including Dr. Reagan and the Prophecy Pros, Jeff Kenley and Todd Hampson. And so it'll be a great time to, uh, to just dive into God's prophetic word. We love for people to attend in person, but there's also the availability of a live stream of the entire event. That sounds fantastic. Thank you, Tim. And yeah, for those of you that are new to our program, take advantage of these amazing resources. And if you're in the area, hey, we'd love for you to register and also come in live for the conference. Awesome, awesome opportunities. So uh, Nathan and, and Tim, we've been seeing a lot of uh, really interesting and challenging things happening in the news around the world. Uh, and uh, it's really um, the shootings that have been taking place this week. And it's, it's a sad situation. And we continue to keep our nation in prayer. Some of these things should not take us so much by surprise because the Bible does talk about certain signs of the times that are going to be taking place before his return. And, and Tim, you would agree, right? To an extent, some of this really is what the Bible talks about. It's going to be taking place before the Lord returns. It certainly is. I mean, an increase in violence. Uh, the scripture says that the world itself will be 
like the days of Noah. And we know that Noah's generation was uh, a rampant lawlessness and godlessness. And, and that's what we're seeing in our nation. So there are many reasons why we've gotten to this point. But first and foremost is men have forgotten God in this country, just like Alexander Solzhenitsyn said. So we have cast him out of our public square so many times. Uh, you know, we've definitely cast him out of the public school system, for instance. And so all of these ramifications, the, the violence, the uh, just the horror that is befalling our society is a part of that. And yes, the Bible predicted these things would happen. It's not that God wants us to suffer from the calamity of sin, but if we reject him, that's the inevitable consequence. Mm, good point, Tim. And again, that's exactly what we're noticing in Ezekiel chapter six and seven. When people begin to for, forget God and turn to idolatry, there comes a point where God has to intervene and do something about the situation. And Nathan, you and I have been making our way through Ezekiel here, and we've been talking about these judgments that have come on the people of, of God and also how he's going to be scattering them. And a lot of it has to do with what we're almost seeing in the world today. People seem to just be turned their backs on God and think that nothing is going to happen. And that's the context for Ezekiel. We're about 600 BC. God has for 400 years given Israel a chance after chance after chance to repent and turn to him. He sent the prophets. But uh, now it's the end. It's just as Moses warned in Deuteronomy uh, 28 that if uh, Israel continued to disobey God, he would exile them. And that's what we're seeing here. God is, is warning them through Ezekiel and Jeremiah before him and Isaiah that now's the time the Babylonians will be coming. They will destroy the city and destroy the temple and exile the Jews up into uh, Babylon, which is uh, modern day Iraq. And that's uh, that's the context of where we're at right now. Mm, absolutely. And, and that's exactly what I want to encourage those of you that are tuning. Follow along with us in your Bibles as we dive right into Ezekiel chapter six. We're going to be looking at verses one through nine so you can follow along with us. Tim, would you be able to start us out there in Ezekiel chapter six, verses one through five? Certainly. Uh, beginning in verse one. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them and say, Mountains of Israel, listen to the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys. Behold, I myself am going to bring a sword on you, and I will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, and your incense altars will be smashed, and I will make your slain fall in front of your idols. I will also lay the dead bodies of the sons of Israel in front of their idols, and I will scatter your bones around your altars. Mm. And Nate, if you can take us on verse six through nine, that will be fantastic. Pick it up with verse six. In all your dwelling places, the cities shall be laid waste, and the high places shall be desolate, so that your altars may be laid waste and made desolate. Your idols may be broken and made to cease. Your incense altars may be cut down, and your works may be abolished. The slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Yet I will leave a remnant so that you may have some who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered through the countries. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive because I was crushed by their adulterous heart, which has departed from me. And by their eyes, which play the harlot after their idols, they will loathe them for the evils which they commit in all their abominations. 
Mm, that's a powerful passage there as we see what's happening. And, and Tim, clearly we notice here that God's judgment is coming on these people. The high mountains, these were all these places that they would worship other gods. Yes, and, and you know, it's a, an age-old story. The Israelites had the chance to be in a covenant relationship with the Lord, to be blessed unlike any other nation. They were indeed for a period of time, but because they strayed, because they did not stay faithful and true to him, he cast them out. I mean, his judgment is sure. God will not be mocked. And you say, but they were his chosen. You're right. And that's why there was almost a higher expectation that they should stay in covenant relationship with him. We have for many generations claimed to be a Christian nation. And so the same is true of us. The, the standard of expectation that we know better than to stray from our loving God who has blessed us so richly we know better. And so I think that the Lord is even more offended by our rejection of him. And sure enough, he broke down their high places, their altars. You say, well, we don't have idols today. Oh, really? Our materialistic society where we uh, you know, treasure all sorts of things other than the true and living God and flaunt our sinfulness, we're falling into the same trap and the same pitfall that the Israelites did so many years ago. Mm. And that's a good point, Tim. And a lot of times people, they think of idolatry just as little shrines back in the days that people will bow down to. But today we call those Corvettes, Hummers and electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and, uh, and that's why the, the reality is that there's so many idols uh, today. But and Nathan, we, we know that throughout history, of course, God is gracious and uh, God continues to have a plan. And verse eight and verse nine there talks about remnant and remember. And sometimes God allows certain things, hopefully to speak to the next generations, right? Right, and it's a theme that runs throughout both the Old and New Testament. This idea that the Lord has always preserved a remnant who are faithful to him. Think of Elijah, for instance, when he was uh, depressed that uh, Jezebel was trying to kill him. And the Lord said, hey, I've got 7,000 men who won't bend a knee to Baal. And that's the, the case throughout history. I, I love what Jan Markell calls uh, today's Christians that are faithful, the remnant church. We are the leftovers, the ones that God has preserved in this time period. And, uh, you know, you go to a lot of churches and you don't hear the gospel much. Matter of fact, I visited a church down the street from me and it was a, a 20 minute TED talk with no gospel whatsoever. And now the church is closing. Well, of course, there's no gospel there. And there's that's the churches we face today. But there's always these remnant churches that say true to the gospel that won't depart. And that's what the Lord is populating heaven with, the remnant throughout all of history. Mm, I love that. And of course, and there's a sifting process that needs to take place, even amongst the church, right, Nathan? We know that there's going to be a time where there's going to be a separation. Jesus gave parables about the wheat and the tear and the kingdom of God. And it's to show that God will uh, make a difference uh, because, uh, Tim, we know that God is not going to punish the righteous with the wicked, right? No, he doesn't punish the righteous and his wrath does not, you know, we are protected from the ultimate wrath of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But in this world, we will have troubles. And so we live in a society that is in decline because of the overwhelming rebellion that will touch into our lives. I mean, there were believers whose children were at school down in Uvalde. There are Christians whose lives are impacted by sin that is rising in our midst. And there's a point to where even we have to recognize that collectively, collectively, not, not just individually, but collectively, we bear responsibility. You know, Nathan talked about 
the Jewish people going into exile uh, in Babylon, and it was Daniel just a couple of generations later. Actually, he was one of the, the young men who went into exile who personally repented. Now, he doesn't have any record of having done anything wrong. Scripture doesn't have any indication that he was a, a sinner per se, other than being a member of the human race. But there's no dramatic incident of his failing, and yet he personally took responsibility for the collective sin of his people as he repented in Daniel chapter 9. And so even in this passage we just read, it talks about the, uh, the people of Israel coming to the point that they will loathe themselves for the evils which they committed in all their abominations. And I think we have to have a penitent heart, which is to say, Lord, forgive us. It's not just me at times. It, it is our whole society that, that we are members of, and we have to uh, recognize that, that the Lord deals with nations even as he saves individuals. And what's really mm -hmm. fascinating about this uh, prophecy that you have here in verses 8 and 9 is that it's true. The Israelites went into exile for over 70 years, and they came back in waves. And what did they come back to Israel? There wasn't a single idol or Baal worship or Asherah pole anywhere. Being sent into exile cured them of their idolatry. Mm. And, and Nathan, and oftentimes when we go through this sifting process, people, they, they ask the question, well, what, why is God allowing this to happen? And oftentimes he wants to see who's truly worshiping, I mean, who's truly a worshiper of him and who's also willing to uh, follow his commands. Uh, and and I, I always, we always hear that, that saying that uh, God doesn't have any grandchildren because everyone has to come to the Lord. Uh, uh, by themselves. It's not my parents' faith or others' faith. And when testing and trials comes, we really, as individuals, need to approach the throne room of God. And likewise, the people of Israel, God is not through with them. Yes, they've made mistakes. They, they've uh, uh, disobeyed. But sometimes we hear uh, this saying that God is through with Israel. And uh, that's not true, right, uh, uh, Tim, this whole replacement theology. No, he's certainly not through with Israel, and those he loves, he disciplines. I mean, you use the word sifting. One of the most dramatic examples of individual sifting is none other than the Apostle Peter. And Jesus himself said that Satan has asked to sift you like sand. And he was given authority to, he, Satan, was given authority to sift Peter. Why? Because of Peter's own failing when asked. Do you know the Lord? Are you his follower? And three times he denied Christ. Well, that is a, a tremendous failure on Peter's part. And so he was sifted in the days that followed, and yet the Lord prayed for him. And once he had been sifted, Jesus said, now go back and feed my sheep. In other words, it was a trial. You can say Peter failed in one sense, and yet he overcame even that, that time of trial and testing and the Lord was there with him through that test and still had a purpose for his life. And he became a tremendous evangelist and leader of the church. Every one of us will fail at some point. We will be sifted, sometimes in a dramatic way like Peter, other times just, you know, minute by minute through the day. How do we respond when someone cuts us off in traffic or is rude to us uh, at the checkout line? Do we respond in our human nature or in our Christian godly nature? And so we're constantly being sifted and given the opportunity to learn and to grow and to become more Christ-like. And so 
It is our prayer for all of our listeners today that they have put their faith in Christ, but that they will overcome every trial and, uh, and emerge victorious uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because God has a plan and a purpose for each of us to serve him and to bring him glory. And what a wonderful example you use uh, there regarding Peter. And, and it's true. When we go through trials and challenges, we can either come out of them stronger or we can come out uh, defeated. Uh, and, and that's exactly now our nation is going through a time of sifting. Individuals, churches are going through a time of sifting. But it's but we can come out of this stronger and better if we just uh, rely and trust in the Lord. Excellent example, Tim. And regarding the people, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people per se, we know God is not through with them. According to Romans chapter 11, there in verses one through six, we see Paul the apostle talking about God's continued plan for his people. Uh, Tim, would you be able to take us there to Romans chapter 11 if you still have some time available and read for us verses one through four and then maybe Nathan verses uh, five through six? How about we do this? Tim had to step out and he uh, gave a, a health salute. So uh, he says his goodbyes to all. Unfortunately, he had a meeting he had to go to. Uh, but I'd be happy to read one through four, and then you pick up five and six. That's fantastic. Let's do it. Okay, well, let's go to Romans chapter 11 and start with verse one. I say then, has God cast away his people? Well, certainly not, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Ooh, verse 5, even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then, Israel? has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect obtain it and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that should not see and ears that should not hear to this very day. So Nathan, we notice there that God's plan is still in full effect for the Jewish people. Right, and, and chapters nine through 11 of Romans is, is Paul's argument for that fact, this idea of replacement theology that the church has replaced Israel and God has no plan for Israel, which is crazy because the en entire tribulation is about God focusing back on Israel because the church isn't there anymore. They're up in heaven. They've been raptured. We've been raptured. And so God's trying to bring a believing remnant out of Israel. So it's fascinating to read here in uh, Ezekiel 2,600 years ago, and yet 2,600 years later, God is still trying to bring Jewish people to know him as Savior and Gentiles as well grafted in. And so that's what we've got here. And, and as we had said earlier, this is another example of God keeping uh, a faithful remnant. No matter what, as dark as the world gets, the Lord always has a faithful remnant there worshiping him. You think of China, for instance, communist China, secular humanists, terrible persecution, uh, persecutors of the church, uh, like the Boxer Rebellion in 1900, where they tried to wipe the Christians out of China, to today, where the house churches are horrendously persecuted, and the state church basically has to put a picture of Xi Jinping up to worship him. Crazy, crazy stuff. And yet, we know that the underground church is growing because the Lord's keeping a remnant. There's always a remnant 
And so when we look around the world and it seems so depressing how bad and evil it's getting, we know that there, that's a sifting process, uh, as you said, Vic, to, to sift like a, uh, think of every generation like a harvest. And the Lord is harvesting a remnant of fruit, so to speak, of believers that will dwell with him in the new Jerusalem and new heavens and new earth forever. And that's what all human history is. You know, Nathan, and that's a great uh, uh, great encouragement there because, you know, uh, sometimes we mess up bad, but we see it's all God's grace. And He it, that God's grace uh, covers a multitude of sins. And there's still opportunity for people to come to Christ no matter what they have done. The Jewish people are an example of that. And if you are part of this program right now and you recognize maybe you've done some wrong things, maybe God is sifting you uh, like Peter. You can come out of this a better, stronger person if you allow the Holy Spirit uh, to do that work. And Nathan, and that's why as we look at Ezekiel chapters uh, six and seven, it's just this process uh, that God is taking these people through. But we're going to know in the future God's full plan is going to be into effect uh, for, the, for the Jewish people. But nevertheless, they have to go uh, through this process uh, so that they uh, again um, or, or again, so that God, so that God will truly see who's really uh, for him or against him. So, Nate, as we make our way back to Ezekiel chapter seven, again, for those that do not have a Bible, will you be willing to read verses one through three and I'll take four and five? Absolutely. Uh, before we jump into that, though, uh, make a comparison here. I, I, I seen that uh, America's Got Talent and uh, American Idol, all those shows are out there are still going season after season. And uh, they go through wave after wave in different cities of people auditioning, and they pick different people from different cities and different auditions to actually compete. And so it's kind of like that, human history. And this is the amazing thing about God. He's been doing this for thousands of years. He's that invested in the human race that he created that uh, I won't call that life as an audition, but it, it kind of is because it's a, it's a test of faith. You know, will we keep the faith in Jesus Christ? And for those who, as uh, Revelation calls overcomers, they stick to the faith, they stick with the Lord, they pass the audition, so to speak. They make it into, not that there's any final round, but they won. We've all, all are winners if we're all overcomers. And so Amen. I, I, I kind of saw the world like that. But okay, uh, back serious here. Ezekiel chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 3. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, thus says the Lord God to the land of Israel, an end. The end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now the end has come upon you, and I will send my anger against you, and I will judge you according to your ways, and I will repay you for all your abominations. Mm, verse 4, my eyes will not spare, nor will I have pity, but I will repay your ways and your abomination by your midst. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I love that, right, Nathan? Because all this, again, we see that there's a point in it. He's not just a senseless bringing judgment upon people, but he is trying to get their attention. Oh, yeah. And you'll hear people say, well, I don't like reading the Old Testament. God is always mad. Why is he mad all the time? Well, he's mad at sin. He's mad at evil. I mean, when you read, say, Micah, the minor prophet, for instance, the government was robbing the people blind and they closed up the temple and stole all the temple money and they were selling land away and they were destroying their own country. Very similar to today. And uh, God's mad. He wants justice for that. And that's what we're seeing here. It's not that God is 
angry for anger's sake. He's He wants justice, not justice as we define it today as revenge, but true justice where rights or wrong, wrongs are righted and the people who are persecuted and suffer uh, get reprieved. That is true justice, and that is true love. So really, when God is finally punishing the evil, centuries of evil that the Israelites had done, it's an act of love. I love that, Nathan. That is so cool. And and as, uh, oftentimes people mistake uh, a God as being a hate monger, if you will. But it's really after a repeated process of giving people opportunity to turn from the ways and repent, then God has to be just and, and do justice and he needs to punish uh, sin. Otherwise, he will not be a fair, a fair judge. And Nathan, that's why here he talks about, you know, the the an end has come upon the four corners of the land. Uh, I also noticed uh, that terminology, the, the four corners, Revelation chapter seven, right, Nathan, when uh, when the angels are about to um, release these judgments uh, and it talks about the four corners, that's just another word to show us from different directions of what God, how God is going to uh, bring about his work. Right, uh, it's, it's compass points, really. So wherever the compass covers the land, that's the four points. So not that there's actually four corners of the earth or four corners of Israel, but basically he's, he's saying, I'm going to punish the land. And this is exactly what he does. Israel was exiled in three different waves by Nebuchadnezzar and dragged the people out. He left the people that, you know, could be no threat to him. And then he moved all the people. This is where you start getting the Samaritans. They're foreigners who were moved in, intermarried with the leftover Jews that were in the country and formed a different people group that really didn't follow God at all. They were like cultural Jews or cultural Christians, so to speak, but they were really no lovers of God. And uh, that's how the, what the Lord did. But then, remember, he, again, this is all about a remnant, a sifting. And so there was a believing remnant in Babylon, not many, you know, with all the Jews that are estimated, maybe 2 million Jewish people were exiled to Babylon, and only a few thousand, maybe 10, 20,000 per wave came back. And so, and repopulated the land and rebuilt the temple and rebuilt Jerusalem as you read uh, in uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, so that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to, to get rid of the evil, so to speak, the people that are always going to keep a hard heart towards God and bring in and bless like a harvest, like an audition, those who have put their trust in him. Those are the, what the Bible calls the overcomers. Amen. And Nathan, and that's, that's also very biblical in terms of the church. When the rapture takes place, I mean, that's a sifting right there. There's only going to be a remnant that is going to be taken up with the Lord. I mean, there's billions of people uh, that claim to know God. But the reality is when the rapture takes place, uh, there's going to be really a few in comparison, just like Jesus says, many, many will say, Lord, Lord. And he said, I never knew you. Right, Nathan? Absolutely. Uh, there was a just a staggering report that I, I read recently. I'm not sure if it's Barner or Pew, I forget which, but. It was looking at a biblical worldview, in other words, that, that, that believes in the Bible's inerrant word of God, that, that God is a supreme deity and Jesus is the son, both man and God, that, that the Bible's the ultimate authority, so forth, so on, a biblical worldview. Brother, it rated different positions within the church from senior pastor down to executive pastor. And only 44% of senior pastors had a biblical worldview. It was even worse when you got the youth pastors. It was like 20-some percent. And the executive pastor, which tends to be businessmen that they bring in, 4%. We're talking about, of the churches that were surveyed, 
only for the senior pastor, like 44% actually had a biblical worldview. That means that six out of 10 churches don't really believe in the Bible. So when the rapture does happen, now it doesn't affect the individual because their salvation isn't tied to a church. But I think that after the rapture, there are going to be churches still meeting and wondering what in the world happened. Wow. And that, and that is a scary thing if you really think about it, right? I mean, that that's just, that to me is really the things that boggles our minds where uh, things could just continue to move forward, even with God showing us miracles that he told us were going to happen ahead of time. And this is where I believe that Satan is, has blinded the eyes of so many here in these last days. And, and we read in Ezekiel, and that's why Ezekiel is going forward and he's acting out these different things as, as the angel of the Lord is, is revealing him to do so. And, and it's just amazing because one of those illustrations is found in Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 23 through 25. And you and I have already shared a bunch of illustrations from the previous uh, uh, chapters, but it's God's way of illustrating to them uh, the judgment that's coming. Nate, would you be able to close us out there with verses 23 through 25 of Ezekiel 7? Oh yeah, because Ezekiel wasn't just a writing prophet or a speaking prophet, he was an acting prophet. So here God tells him, he says, make a chain for the land is filled with crimes of blood and the city is full of violence. Therefore, I will bring the worst of the Gentiles, the Babylonians, and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strong to cease and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction comes. They will seek peace, but there shall be none. We've heard that before, right, Nathan? What they will seek, say peace, peace, but there will be no peace. <laughs> right. And, and, and it, this is extremely applicable to today, as Tim said, you know, as a country that's prided itself on being a country, one nation under God. And we are now as, as evil as the Israelites, I would say. I mean, when you've got bands of uh, homosexuals standing in front of schools demanding that kindergartners be taught homosexuality, we are in a, a depraved society. And what is the result always? It's destruction, verse 25. America is begging God for destruction in our rebellion. And, you know, we think that America will last forever, but, you know, it's only lasted a few hundred years and no nation lasts forever. So, Brother, it's, a, it's terrible to live in a time where we're seeing our country unravel. And so we pray for revival and repentance and the return to Jesus Christ. That's right, Nathan. Praise the Lord. And I'm so thankful for individuals that are stepping out and uh, speaking out for the Lord. I'm thankful for the programs, the, the good, solid Christian programs, TV programs, uh, podcasts of those remnant that are still preaching the truth. And we know in the last days we're going to be a minority, but we're called to be faithful. And that's why we want to speak to you. Uh, we only have about a minute left to the program, but we recognize that God does have a plan for your life. That's probably why you tuned into this program. But maybe there's some that do not have a relationship with Jesus. It is urgent for you to come to the Lord now while there is still time. Be part of that remnant. Uh, be part of those that when the Lord returns, uh, we're going to be gathered with him. Uh, so, Nathan, in closing, would you be able to share with that individual how they can start a relationship with the Lord even right now? Those that are seeking to want to. Right. Well, that's what repentance is. It's a turning 180 degrees away from our our uh, rebellion, our rebellion against God and his moral law, to surrender our lives to Jesus and call out for him to forgive us for our sins. And when we are asked for forgiveness, then that right relationship is restored between us. We can have, you can't uh, you know, tick off, say, your parents and 
and then not apologize, the relationship will be broken. And that's what this is. It's just a relationship with the Lord. And your sins are under God's wrath. And so until you accept that fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and took that punishment for, which is death, upon himself, then your sins aren't forgiven and God's wrath remains on you and so does your future in hell. So what you do is that if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and your Savior, then pray from your heart, uh, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. Uh, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Please be so. In Jesus' name, amen. And Jesus will forgive your sins, the guilt will be cleansed, and you will inherit eternal life with him. Well, thank you so much, Nathan. And we want to congratulate those of you that may be trusted in Christ right now. We'd love for you to let us know. You can call us at 305-992-9537. Send us a text message there or WhatsApp us or post it there on social media. We'd love to give you a Bible and a Bible study guide so you can continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord and find yourself a good Bible teaching church where they believe in Bible prophecy. Let the pastor know that you want to be baptized and uh, just again, continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. God is coming soon. We're so excited uh, for our future in Christ Jesus. So Nathan, wow, what an amazing teaching. Thank you and Tim so much for being part of the program and for opening up these wonderful scriptures for us. Well, God bless you all. I hope uh, that your walk with Jesus just continues to grow and flourish. Amen. And again, we ran out of time for this segment of our program, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones. We want to thank you for, again, keeping us in prayer. We hope you have a wonderful week. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He's coming back very, very soon and have a wonderful day.